And so well, that's what dopamine's doing. It's going, I have a craving because in the past this has happened and I know that if I do this behavior, I should get that again. And so as soon as we actually trade with this concept of emotion and feeling driven by dopamine, then we're no longer trading in the present. So how can we utilize this? Well, one thing that we can do is when we feel a physiological change or we feel the craving, then we need to go, okay, what reward can I give myself? Or how can I respond with a good reward? So rather than going, I want to buy or sell, why don't we go, I have the craving, boom, I need to look at my trading plan. That's the reward that I'm going to get for having this craving. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Jake, and you are listening to The Success Shift, a show where perfection does not exist, but learning and growth take center stage. Have you ever felt stuck, like you're doing all the work but not getting the results? Maybe you feel like there's something missing. Perhaps there is some sort of internal shift that's needed to really get you to that next stage of success. Well, buckle up and join me as we jump into the minds of those who have been successful in their field and dive a little deeper into what is actually needed to get you to that next level. Is success just a state of mind? Does believing you're successful act as a catalyst to greater success? Is it something we can work on or are some people just luckier than others? No matter what you're into or where your passion lies, if you're wanting change or a shift in perspective, then you are definitely going to want to tune in. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Success Shift. This week, we've been talking all about dopamine, and I love it. I'm finding it so fascinating the more I learn. Um, you may be aware that I'm self-prescribed. I've always wondered why I'm so different, but um, the more I learn, the more I engage, and the more I understand the brain and other things, I, I feel like there may be some level of ADHD in my brain which works on a lot of good levels, but also some of the some of the harder things to learn. But the more I go down the dopamine path and the more that I learn about the things of the brain, um, the more I have these aha moments like, that makes so much sense. That's what I do. This is what my brain does to me. Now I know how to handle it. Now I know how to respond to it. Now I know how to behave with it. So it's a really, really enlightening. So today I'm extremely grateful um, for the modern day's ability to learn. Now, obviously, there has to be some kind of precaution, I guess. You can't just go on to Dr. Google and find everything out. I'm just intrigued by a lot of the relevant behaviors from myself in relation to some of the things that I'm learning, which is really fascinating. So I'm going to continue down that self-discovery journey and use, use my learnings to help grow my trading and to grow me as a person. And it's, yeah, for me, very, very exciting. So today I'm definitely chucking some gratitude out there to all the professionals who share their skills and knowledge online and all those people who spend time creating content for free. Now I know that some of it's false and I know don't, I have to take it with a grain of salt and I'm aware of that before I get everyone jumping in like, you shouldn't re believe everything you read online. I understand. I'm very well adverse with my research, but it is really fascinating to learn and to hear and to relate and to have people, um, you know, sharing what they find out and what they learn. And I say that to everyone, even everyone listening to my podcast, don't take what I say as tribal, do your own research, learn it from other areas, find out information from other sources. If you find something that I'm talking about, that's interesting, which is, you know, hopefully all of it, <laughs> find out more about it from someone else. I often refer to the professionals that I learn from, you know, Dr. Andrew Huberman, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Anna Lomke, I think was the name of the other lady that I've been referencing this week. All of those, you know, really high educated professionals, 
go do research on them. I'm basically just a collaboration of ideas and putting it together in a way that makes sense in my head and trying to relay that to those so you can get an understanding and maybe get a, I don't know, a spark that helps, that moves you on to something more interesting. So chuck your gratitude into the chat. We've got gratitude coming in on the Zoom. And today I am working two different rooms, so it's a little bit new for me. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out some things, how to expand and grow this show. So bear with me. Um, as I do that, but over in the Kajabi room, if you could jump in some gratitude, what you're grateful for today, we talk about gratitude all the time because finding gratitude morning and night can absolutely change your life. And as we are learning more about the brain, it's actually quite interesting to hear how and why gratitude and the power of positive thinking and all this actually works on the brain. So chuck your gratitude in the chat. Don't be shy. Get on the keyboard, share what you're feeling grateful for today. We have happy Thursday friends, which is always lovely. Grateful I am learning to allow my emotions to flow and not take over. That's a very powerful step forward. Nice work. I know for me, and um, maybe you'll appreciate what we're going to be talking about a little bit, maybe tomorrow or next week, amygdala hijacking um, and how the emotions jump in very quickly. I know for me, I let my emotions take over very quickly. So this has been a long growing process for me. And I love the, the concept of allowing my emotions to flow and not to take over. Um, I really like that. I am grateful and thankful to live in a community where there is no pressure to live like the Joneses and I can be happy with simple. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I actually lived in a school bus for a year while traveling around Canada. I also did a camper van in New Zealand. And for a long time, I, I had a kind of renovated four-wheel drive back in Australia and I'd go camping out and living with the simple things. For me, it is incredibly enlightening and very related to what we've been talking about today, uh, this week, shall I say, because in the materialistic world, what those things and materialistic, materialistic possessions do and those, um, you know, cravings and the signs and the flashy lights and the social media, all this is doing is giving you hits of dopamine, 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 and you feel like you're craving them. And what happens is you bring up, build up this tolerance and then you feel unsatisfied with all the things that you've got. Okay, and actually one of the things, so this is a great little segue, but one of the things that I was going to talk about today is actually a dopamine detox. And so we'll talk about the concept of that a little bit later. But when you have all of this stuff, you've got social media scrolling, you've got junk food, you've got, you know, I can sit on my couch, watch Netflix on demand and have food delivered to my door. And in Germany, you can have alcohol delivered to your door and you can sit there all day, all weekend if you wanted to and not move a single thing. Now, this is a crazy concept because the way that dopamine works is dopamine is like a motivator. So dopamine, we talked about this yesterday, dopamine, the, the rat experiment we were speaking about. Dopamine comes into the brain um, and you can like whatever you have, but when you lack dopamine, you, dopamine, you don't have the motivation to get up and get your things and what's happening in this day and age like we have access to so much stuff without needing to actually strive for it without the hunt without going and actually getting the things you can have everything dropped at your door and so this is absolutely messing with our brain system and the way our dopamine levels work and the way that we can get un, you know kind of overloaded with dopamine hits and be unsatisfied with so much and so back to the concept of living simple when you do minimalistic, when you break things down, when you go camping, get back in nature for the weekend and do nothing but, you know, sit in the ocean or fish or, you know, go out there with very little, which is what I love doing. That's like a complete dopamine detox. You're really kind of resetting the brain a little bit. And so 
the concept of living simple is incredible. Um, and I think that is kind of where my passion for my future endeavors of building, you know, these tiny carbon negative neutral homes, but still entertainable comes from. So I love that concept of living simple. I love the concept of tiny homes and I love the, the cleanse that you can get from going out and living, you know, the simpler life. And often, I mean, I don't know about you chuck some ones in the chat if you've had an experience with this, but some of the people that are the happiest are those who have the least. When I was traveling through Borneo, I remember this, this vision so clear and distinct in my memory. Um, we were backpacking through Borneo and we had to go from one part of Borneo to the other corner and we we're going to jump on a boat and head over to this marble island, which was great for diving. But it's in the tropics. Torrential rain came in and us being our first world rich touristy people um i was actually more on a holiday than a backpacker at this point we had i had laptops and cameras and stuff like that in my backpack so we were a bit young but we were like oh we don't want to get our bags wet. we don't want to get this so we chucked all of our stuff in this truck that came to pick us up we thought it was gonna be a car but it was a truck chucked all our bags inside the cab and then we sat in the back of the tray while it was torrential rain pouring down and we kind of drove through thinking it was gonna be oh this miserable trip but it very quickly turned around and it was nice and tropical weather. So if you've been in the rain, it's not too cold out there. So there was five of us sitting in the back of this tray, rain pouring down. And as we drove through the streets, you know, people in Borneo don't have much money. They really are quite on the poverty line, but it was just flooded with children laughing hysterically. We were driving through and they would go a bunch of kids on the side, hoping we'd drive through the puddle and we'd drive through, splash them and everyone would be screaming like, yeah. And then, the next thing would come along and there'd be a bunch of kids playing in an empty like barren wheelbarrow, but it was full of water and they're all just so happy and joyful. And it just brought such a realization that we don't need to live in this very stuff filled society like we do, you know, first world countries, Canada, Australia, people listening from America and the UK, but that happiness can really be found with very, very little and being what do I talk about what lot being in the present, right? These kids were just in the now happily playing and being in the present. So this is kind of half the reason why I promote a dopamine detox. And just for myself, um, from my, my experiences, sometimes, you know, I've lived on the beach, I've lived in the mountains, I've lived pretty much everywhere you can. And I find that when you get stuck in your routine, like especially in the city, and you've got so much stuff at your fingertips, you can feel so trapped and so dull. And, you know, I've got friends at home who've been living in the city for their whole life and they're like, oh, I'm so depressed and so sad. And it's just, we need to be able to break free and we need to have these dopamine detoxes and we need to be able to cleanse ourselves a little bit and get into nature. So it wasn't much of an awareness of mine until I started doing research, but why getting out in nature and why having these simple lives for a little bit is so good is because we're actually kind of resetting our baseline for dopamine hits. Um, and it's very, very fascinating. So definitely recommend something like that. Now, you don't have to go camping for a, a weekend to to sit with, you know, nothing but the bush for the whole weekend to do these detoxes. You can do something like once a month on a Sunday, you wake up, you leave your phone in the other, you don't check your phone for a whole day. Yeah, scary, right? Chuck some ones in the chat if you would struggle to not look at your phone for an entire 24 hours. But you can... Do things like no phone, no Netflix, no TV, you know, just drink a lot of water, meditate, read, journal, and then um, you can, you know, drink, yeah, like I said, lots of water and just give you, give that 
detox from all these little dopamine hits that we've got surrounding us like it is everywhere and once you start to cleanse yourself from this, this sort of stuff for a little bit you can come back and you enjoy these things a lot more your, your body goes oh that's right i can actually appreciate and enjoy these things to a much higher degree because you've reset the baseline levels in your brain very very fascinating stuff so that's my concept of a dopamine detox but pouring down with rain here which is the first time in ages been middle of summer so excuse me but middle of summer and now it's hailing outside so it's a bit distracting but it's actually kind of cool i love the stormy rainy weather especially when it's a bit warmer and not the middle of winter anyway went off like a squirrel i apologize lots of ones coming into the chats here about struggling to be without your phone for 24 hours and if you think about it yeah it's it's quite scary how much a few of us and even if you try it you'll you, like try it challenge yourself on a sunday where it's not too important put your phone away see what happens at 24 hours. I bet you'll get to like two, three hours and be like, oh, I want to check my phone or oh, I wonder if I've got a message or these irrational things and it will start coming up. Now this, now I don't want to say we're addicted to our phones, but this is kind of the leading footpath towards kind of what addiction is. When we have an external cue, which creates a craving. So we need to do something in order to get that reward. And when this craving is so strong that it doesn't go away and we can't deter ourselves. This is starting down that line of addiction. Okay. Now addiction is actually when you've gone down this path so far that the brain has actually re rewired to a state where you physically uh, cannot. And it's actually a biological change in the brain. So it becomes more of a brain disease. So I'm not going to use the word addiction for the phone cravings, but it is along that same concept. Now, if we're going to continue down this kind of topic about the dopamine and how it affects our habits, which is kind of the main point to this is using dopamine to um, change your habits and being aware of how you behave based on dopamine and what habits you've already created. So for anyone that's read Atomic Habits, absolutely fantastic book. Definitely recommend reading it. But they talk about the science of how habits work. Okay. And Step one is the cue. Step two is the craving. Step three is the response. And step four is the reward. So this four-step pattern is the backbone of every habit. And it goes through and talks about how without craving a change, we have no reason to act. So your external, so this craving comes, and this craving is the dopamine. This craving comes from an external environment giving you a cue. And this can be so subtle that it's subconscious. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but you know, we hear and see and smell and feel on our skin so many things all the time, but we're only consciously attuned to a few small aspects of that. So, you know, I can only hear the hail right now because it's actually something different. And so I'm slightly consciously aware of it. What happens with them? It takes a bit of distraction out of my brain from the actual discussion here. But so many of these things happen in a subconscious aspect. And so you can get a subconscious environmental cue and all of a sudden you've got this craving and you're like, ah, oh, got this craving and this is the dopamine right it wants you to fulfill that that craving with doing something which then gives you the reward and now originally we think the dopamine comes from the reward but really what happens is when you have a when you have the um, response and you actually do something dopamine creates the habit for looking for things that happened before you actually responded so what were the cues what were the things that were happening before you actually got the response and the reward so that now I can look for that again? See, traditionally, you know, the, the reward system that we have or the pathways, their main function is to reinforce sets of behavior. 
And so that works by having the dopamine run through and reinforce these sets of behaviors. So, you know, good behavior, sweet, you get a reward. Yay, let's keep doing that. That's what dopamine is designed to do. Now, back in the day when it was primal, you know, you'd be a cue. Oh, there's an animal over there. Okay, I'm going to go hunt. I'm going to chase that thing down. I'm going to get it. And then I have food. Hooray. That is the reward. That's a good system. Let's keep rewarding that kind of behavior. Now, when you hear something in the background, boom, you're on. The dopamine's hitting again. You're looking for that craving because you know what's going to come later, the reward of food. Chuck some lines in the chat if this is making sense on how this system is working before I kind of go on. I want to just keep going. And plus, I'm worried that my internet's dropping out because of this. The uh, surround up one, 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 so much. Okay, great. We're a little bit more quiet over the Jabi. There we go. One, one, perfect. Okay, so when we're talking about um, this reward system, we got to also add the fact that it, so this is how it works on memory. And so memory and movement, you know, Joe Dispenza, I'm sure you've heard of him. He speaks about how a behavior becomes a habit when you can do it unconsciously or subconsciously. So think about, for example, turning a light on. You walk into a dark room, right? Instinctively, you want change. You're like, oh, I need something to change. So you just go and flick this light switch on. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to think anything you just it's all of a sudden it's dark my brain wants it to be light i want change i know that the reward comes when i do that what are the behaviors i have to do before that so you automatically go and switch on the light simple as you don't have to think about it anymore it's become unconscious it's a behavior walk into a dark room turn on the light it's without even thinking so we can actually use this information to start tailoring our behaviors to good habits as well now and we want to keep reading a little bit of this book here where it says um for some who really, uh, so cravings differ from person to person. In theory, any piece of inferior information could trigger a craving. But in practice, people are not motivated by the same cues. For a gambler, the sound of a slot machines can be a potent trigger that sparks an intense wave of desire. For someone who really gambles, the jingles and chimes of the casino are just background noise. Cues are meaningless until they are interpreted. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions of the observer are what transform a cue into a craving so we have an external source that gives us this cue and then the things and the thoughts and the feelings that we have now we speak about this all the time in regard to trading that's what gives us the craving so think about it when you're on the charts you see an external cue you see a big volumetric candle spike up what happens inside your thoughts go oh money oh i know what the reward is for being on the right side of this is a good paycheck okay now i'm craving what is my craving my craving is to hit the button to jump in right? Chuck some ones if that makes sense. So when we have this visual movement, when we have this cue come flying in, we're like, <gasps> all right, I have a craving now. I have a craving to hit the buy button because I want to be involved with this. And the problem is, is that what we're doing in this aspect, what we're actually doing in this point of time is we are predicting the future from the past experiences. And this is kind of what dopamine does. It goes, I have a craving because I know that if I do this in the past experience, this has been the reward. So I want to do this again. Now, what do I say all the time on the, the, these calls, right? We have to live in the present moment. If we start living in the future or the past with trading, we're going to live in, I believe in the future. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. If you're depressed, you're living in the past. This was a lovely Tao saying that we had a, a few weeks back. But the idea here is that if you are predicting the future, from the past, you are not being present. 
And so that's what dopamine's doing. It's going, I have a craving because in the past this has happened and I know that if I do this behavior, I should get that again. And so as soon as we actually trade with this concept of emotion and feeling driven by dopamine, then we're no longer trading in the present. So how can we utilize this? Well, one thing that we can do is when we feel a physiological um, change, and this is what I want to talk about uh, again with amygdala hijacking coming up um, in in the next episode or two, when we feel a physiological change or we feel the craving, then we need to go, okay, what reward can I give myself? Or how can I respond with a good reward? So rather than going, I want to buy or sell, why don't we go, I have the craving, boom, I need to look at my trading plan. That's the reward that I'm going to get for having this craving. And then we can hopefully over time train ourselves that if I tick all the boxes, then I get to hit the button. So hitting the button now becomes the reward. The craving goes, I want to hit the button. The response needs to be look at the trading plan and make sure it ticks all those boxes. And then only then in that present moment, if it ticks all those boxes, once the candle closes, all right, I'm in the present. I'm in a sweet spot where all my trading plan boxes have been ticked and I can just hit the button without any worry or issue. Bang, hit the button. There's my reward. That's the dopamine we should be chasing, not not the reward of emotional trigger from the candle. I'm going to hit the reward to get the money. I mean, of course, the money is the overall outcome. And I think being aware of that is also quite important. Now, I know we don't have too much time, so I don't want to read too much of this book, but they go on to say the same sort of thing. You know, we have to understand that we're trying to solve a problem with dopamine. So where is it here? It says that today we spend most of our time learning cues that predict secondary rewards like money and fame, power and status, praise and approval, love and friendship, or a sense of personal satisfaction. Of course, these pursuits are indirectly in, improve our odds of survival and reproduction, which is the deeper motive behind everything we do. And so we understand our primal needs and desires. Then we understand you know, what we're actually trying to do. We're trying to solve a problem in the trading world. And I'm not speaking for everyone, but the assumption here is that most people come into the trading world because their problem is they don't have enough money. They want or they want more. And the social solution is to trade to end up with more money. Now, what does having more money do? Now, this is when we talk about going in and understanding your why, because at the end of the day, more money doesn't mean shit unless you've actually got a plan to do something with it. I could have a ton of money just sitting in my room and it doesn't do anything until I actually spend it. And what I actually want to spend it on, that's my actual desire. Okay. Whether that's, I want to spend it to impress my wife so we can then reproduce and have a bigger family. Who knows? But you've got to understand where this desire and craving comes from, the dopamine system that's creating it, and then learn how we can utilize this dopamine to affect our habits and create the good habits rather than having the really shitty ones, which are based on FOMO, you know, um, the fear of leaving money on the table, all these fear trades. These fear trades come from, um, I was referring to this the other day as well, which I'll go into in another episode, but this trade trauma. Now, one of the problems with trading is how often have you been in a situation where, put someone in the chat if you've been in a situation where you kind of see a bit of candle movement, so you jump in and then it just takes off and you just magically scoop up like 70, 80 points in a minute. I know I've been there and it's fantastic. Um, but now if you've chucked some ones in the chat, put some twos in the chat if you know full well that that didn't match your trading plan, but you did it anyway. Because that's definitely been me as well. 
Yeah, twos, 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 twos. There we go. <laughs> In the Kajabi, one, twos. Yeah, and so what this does is this creates a negative behavior. And this is kind of what this trading trauma is. If you've been trading for a while and you've had a number of times where you've jumped in that don't match your trading plan and you've got points really quickly, this is creating a really bad reward system in the brain. This is going, ah, you know what? Sometimes when I say fuck it and just hit the button, it pays off really well. My brain knows that. And not only that, but sometimes it gets really, really big, really, really fast. This is where FOMO comes from. We go, I know in the past I've done this and I'm really craving this good win, especially when you have a couple of losses. This increases because you're like, oh, I've been following my rules. I haven't got some wins. I'm craving this big victory of money. Uh, it's getting more and more. You know what? I'm going to stop following my rules because they're not working for me. And I'm just going to say, fuck it and hit the button and hope. Now, this is where that revenge trading, this is where, you know, overtrading, all that sort of stuff comes in. And I know for a fact people have agreed with me on this in the chats. And I'm sure if you're new to the channel, you can also agree that there has been many times where, oh, I just had a big thunder storm bolt just then. Sorry, it completely took me out of my chain of thought. But uh, there's been many times where you have um, hit the button, had a big win and gone, oh, yes. Or you've taken a loss and you've just started to spiral. Do you know what I mean? So you, you've taken a loss. And then you maybe can hold out and be good for another one. And then it just starts. And then all of a sudden you end up with five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten trades. And you're like, man, what have I done? In one session, I've just taken away the whole week's worth of discipline and the week's worth of good trades. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but it's getting heavy in the background here. Um, you can? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear it. Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. So uh, I apologize for being a little bit distracted, but the point here is that if we can understand our behaviors um, then and the way dopamine is working, we can start to tailor them to our to our benefit. And the more that we understand, you know, this FOMO coming from the, the dopamine chasing the, the big wins or when, you know, maybe you've been in a situation where you've had three or four losses and then all of a sudden you, you go against your rules and it actually makes up and then you break even. You're like, yes, cool, awesome. That is creating a really bad circuitry in your brain to repeat that behavior. And we know that doing this over the long time is not the way. Doing this this way is like a gamble. And that becomes that sort of my fail save. You know, if things are going tough, rather than sticking it out and following your rules and realizing that it will play out over the long time, you start to make shortcuts, you start to do things that have worked in the past, and you start to break habits. And, you know, again, this, this creates what I call, what I'm calling trading trauma. Um, and that is where you've been in long enough to create enough bad habits that you're kind of stuck in this limbo place of, okay, I know trading my trading plan works, but I know that other things also work, but not having the willpower to distinguish between the two of them or not having the ability to make a trading plan that's specific enough so that you stick with it. And just lastly on that, the two things I want to talk about with fear and greed trading. So fear being, you know, that dopamine living in the future, living in the past, um, one thing that I was just writing down just before this, and I wanted to share that if you are struggling with your trading plan and you're struggling to follow it, if you know that you're a greedy trader, maybe put less on the trading plan and make sure that you follow those rules. So I've got like seven or eight things for each trading trading plan. And there was one or two, which I didn't follow all the time. And that was a slippery slope of, oh, you know what? I don't have to follow my trading plan and allowed me to some wiggle room. So I just ended up kind of doing what I want. But if you've only got four things on there, then you're like, okay, I definitely have to tick off these four boxes every single time. That's going to start to create the discipline of following the trading plan. 
Now, this trading plan might not work to the level you want it at, but over time, when you get really disciplined at just doing the four things, you can add one more checkbox. Okay, now I can do five. You can add one more. Now, you know, you can do six or seven that is very, very specific um, to your trading plan. And the more you can add the more the, and still stay following those rules, the better you'll get over the long term of trading. So I hope that makes um, makes sense. And if on conversely, if you are a fearful trader, put a lot in your trading plan. If you're like, I never take any trades, put eight, nine, 10 things in there. And then if you can follow every single one of them, you know full well that actually, okay, this is ticking all my boxes. I don't have to feel fear for entering this trade because it's actually ticking a lot of my things. And so fearful traders, put a lot in your trading plan. Greedy traders, put a little so that you can follow it and then increase it slowly. Fearful traders, you can actually decrease it because you might feel like, oh, I'm never taking any trades, but at least if you take the ones that only match, then you'll be good, okay? So hope that makes sense. There was much more that I want to talk about, but clearly with a little bit of a thunderstorm happening here, I got a bit distracted and I could talk about this stuff for ages. So for those who are trading with us, jump over to the trading call. That'll start right now. Um, for those listening on the podcast, thank you very much. I'll speak to you later. Don't forget, if you have your trading plan, read through your trading plan, read through uh, your, you know, read through your trading journal as well. Go through, make sure that you've got yourself, do your brain warm up, make sure you're in the right state of mind and make sure that um, you're ready to go. All right. Much love and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye.